Welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wayne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. And whenever circumstances arise that may prompt us to be anything other than the love that created us, let us remember that the easiest way to feel love and compassion in the moment is to mentally place ourselves in the other person's position or on the negative side of the situation. For surely, none of us are perfect in our human living and thinking. And if we truly believe that we are created in the image of the one living God that dwells within all of us, and that living God is the pulse of all living beings, then when conflict do arise, and the will at times, let us simply, yet wisely, endeavor to perceive it through the loving eyes of our own mighty I Am Presence. Because that presence is the love and light of God that will never fail us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. As research into its history are pursued, it appears more and more probable that the Masonic movement, to state it generally, was a sort of broad, semi-mystic and largely moral movement, worked from certain unknown centers, and deriving its origin from some ancient and not generally known basis. That is to say, its basis was, and is, unknown to all of those who do not recognize a definitely spiritual guidance in the practical, mental, and moral developments, which from time to time, change the surface of society by the introduction of new factors into the evolving processes of which life consists of. Research into Masonic literature must be made in many languages and countries before this view can be firmly established for the general world, but to the student of theosophy who is also a student of Masonry, it becomes more and more apparent that the movement which is generally termed Masonic had its roots in that true mysticism which originated as an ideal effort from the spiritual hierarchy which guides the evolution of the world, and that however much the branches may be separated from. The root idea, there is nevertheless a mystic teaching in Masonry for those who will seek below the surface. One such searcher into the origin of Masonry gives the following interesting and suggestive passage in his study on the discoveries respecting the obelisk made by Commander Gorange, which tend to prove that an institution similar to Freemasonry existed in Egypt, and the writer proceeds. According to our reading of history, the priesthoods of Belus, or Baal in Assyria, of Osiris in Egypt, of Jehovah in Palestine, of Jupiter in Greece and Rome, of Ahura Mazda in Persia, of Brahma in India, and of Tutates in Britain, were primitive secret societies, who instructed and governed the primitive families and races. 
It little matters whether we call the members of those priesthoods Belites, Pastophori, Levites, Curides, Magi, Brahmins, or Druids, they were connected by secret ties, and intercommunicated from the Indus to the Tiber, from the Nile to the Thames. Hence there ever has been, is, and ever will be Freemasonry on our planet. Masonry was ever more or less connected with priesthoods till about the 13th century of our era, when Masons declared themselves Freemaur, Freemasons. Since about that period, priesthoods have ever denounced and persecuted Freemasonry. The evidence of the basic mystic teaching can be largely traced by watching the eddies and undercurrents which constantly break the smooth stream of ordinary Masonry. Frequently do we find other and smaller bodies whose mystic aim was more marked and whose occult tendencies were more decidedly definite, springing up within the larger organization. Some few members with deeper insight gather round themselves others with the same tendencies, and thus we find formations of smaller societies constantly taking place. We find that at a later period many of the semi-Masonic bodies had unknown heads, and more especially those whose aims were avowedly occult, this being the term which was applied in Germany, Austria, and Hungary, to those organizations that did not make public the sources from which their teachings were derived, nor say from whom their inspiration came. To find the origin of such secrecy we must turn back to the early history of the Masonic tradition and sketch briefly what is told us by a Mason of the early part of this century, when dealing with this historic secrecy. He tells us. We find among all the priests of ancient peoples, and in order that none but really capable and worthy men should be associated with their offices and studies, they instituted forms of probation and examination upon which followed some kind of initiation. Now as the oldest writers ascribed such mysteries and initiations to the Egyptian priests, it is very probable that they already existed before the downfall of that people, for we find traces of them in equally ancient nations and perceive from the likeness of their fundamental principles and of the teaching and customs of their priests, that they must have had a common origin. Among the Chaldeans the Magi dwelt on the summits of the mountains, and among the Celtic races the Druids lived in the quiet solitude of the forests. Among the Indians and Ethiopians, the Brahmins and Gymnosophists had localities specially dedicated to them, and among the Egyptians, the priests had intricate dwelling places far beneath the surface of the earth. All had their symbols and distinctive signs and owed their fame only to the secrecy of their initiation. The secrets of antiquity had a twofold aim. In the first case, religion was chosen as the object of care, the greater the mysteries the more eternally secret were they to be kept from the people. The aim in the second case was to guard the wisdom of all things. He who would be initiated must be a man of upright character and true mental power. The sacred mysteries fell into decay with the Roman Empire, the flourishing and spread of the Christian religion being the chief cause of this decadence. The initiation into the mysteries of the wisdom was however of much longer duration. They changed only from time to time either the name, the inner constitution, the degrees, and various kinds of knowledge bound up in these, or even the nature of the union itself. The men, who were known under the name of Magi, or the White Masters, made one of their most important aims the true knowledge of the human heart, which lay always open before their eyes. To them alone was entrusted the bringing up of kings and the great of the earth, for they alone could understand science as well as art, and careless of all prejudice, taught a simple and natural theology, 
which based itself upon the worship of a supreme being. Because, however, their method of teaching was symbolical, many errors of which they were entirely incapable were ascribed to them on account of their numerous hieroglyphics. The Magi of Memphis and Heliopolis were held in such esteem, and their renown was so widespread that the greatest heroes of war, philosophers, and strangers of the highest rank, journeyed to Egypt and sought to be initiated by the priests in order to learn the secrets of the priesthood. From among these priests, Lycurgus and Solon drew a part of their system of philosophy, and Orpheus was also initiated by them, and by this means enabled to introduce into his own land, festivals from which the Greek mythology afterwards arose. Thales also was instructed by them, Pythagoras received from the same source his doctrine of metempsychosis, Herodotus obtained much information, and Democritus his secrets. Moses also, who was brought up by the Magi, used his knowledge of the mysteries to free the Israelites from Egyptian bondage and lead them to the service of the true God. It is well known that Moses prescribed certain probation for his Levites, and that the secrets of the priesthood were inaccessible to the rest of the Israelites, and this principle ruled till the time of Solomon. And this policy of silence was a wise one, for the bitter vituperations, which were showered on the heads of the few who were the exoteric leaders in such organizations, demonstrated the wisdom which guarded the personalities of the real leaders. Such work was better done by small groups, and this appears to have been the view held by those leaders with whom the student does come into contact. Traces of a Hidden Tradition in Masonry and Medieval Mysticism by Isabel Cooper Oakley, 1900 Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 7 The Koinobi lived in Egypt, where Jesus passed his early youth. They were usually confounded with the Therapeuti, who were a branch of this widely spread society. Such is the opinion of Godfrey Higgins and de Rebold. After the downfall of the principal sanctuaries, which had already begun in the days of Plato, the many different sects, such as the Gymnosophists and the Magi, from whom Clearchus very erroneously derives the former, the Pythagoreans, the Sufis, and the Rishis of Kashmir, instituted a kind of international and universal Freemasonry among their esoteric societies. These Rashis, says Higgins, are the Essenians, Carmelites, or Nazarites of the Temple. That occult science known by ancient priests under the name of regenerating fire, says Father Rebold, a science that for more than 3,000 years was the peculiar possession of the Indian and Egyptian priesthood, into the knowledge of which Moses was initiated at Heliopolis, where he was educated, and Jesus among the Essenian priests of Egypt or Judea, and by which these two great reformers, particularly the latter, wrought many of the miracles mentioned in the scriptures. Plato states that the mystic Magian religion, known under the name of Machagistia, is the most uncorrupted form of worship in things divine. Later, the mysteries of the Chaldean sanctuaries were added to it by one of the Zoroasters and Darius Histasps. The latter completed and perfected it still more with the help of the knowledge obtained by him from the learned ascetics of India, whose rites were identical with those of the initiated Magi. Ammian, in his History of Julian's Persian Expedition, gives the story by stating that one day Histasps, 
as he was boldly penetrating into the unknown regions of Upper India, had come upon a certain wooded solitude, the tranquil recesses of which were occupied by those exalted sages, the Brahmins or shamans. Instructed by their teaching in the science of the motions of the world and of the heavenly bodies, and in pure religious rites, he transfused them into the creed of the Magi. The latter, coupling these doctrines with their own peculiar science of foretelling the future, have handed down the whole, through their descendants, to succeeding ages. It is from these descendants that the Sufis, chiefly composed of Persians and Syrians, acquired their proficient knowledge in astrology, medicine, and the esoteric doctrine of the ages. The Sufi doctrine, says C.W. King, involved the grand idea of one universal creed which could be secretly held under any profession of an outward faith, and, in fact, took virtually the same view of religious systems as that in which the ancient philosophers had regarded such matters. The mysterious Druzes of Mount Lebanon are the descendants of all these. Solitary cops, earnest students scattered hither and thither throughout the sandy solitudes of Egypt, Arabia, Patria, Palestine, and the impenetrable forests of Abyssinia, though rarely met with, may sometimes be seen. Many and various are the nationalities to which belong the disciples of that mysterious school, and many the side-shoots of that one primitive stock. The secrecy preserved by these sub-lodges, as well as by the one and supreme great lodge, has ever been proportionate to the activity of religious persecutions, and now, in the face of the growing materialism, their very existence is becoming a mystery. H. P. Blavatsky It must not be inferred, on that account, that such a mysterious brotherhood is but a fiction, not even a name, though it remains unknown to this day. Whether its affiliates are called by an Egyptian, Hindu, or Persian name, it matters not. Persons belonging to one of these sub-brotherhoods have been met by trustworthy, and not unknown persons, besides the present writer, who states a few facts concerning them, by the special permission of one who has a right to give it. In a recent and very valuable work on secret societies, K.R.H. Mackenzie's Royal Masonic Cyclopedia, we find the learned author himself, an honorary member of the Canongate Co-Winning Lodge, No. 2, Scotland, and a mason not likely to be imposed upon, stating the following, under the head, Hermetic Brothers of Egypt. An occult fraternity, which has endured from very ancient times, having a hierarchy of officers, secret signs, and passwords, and a peculiar method of instruction in science, religion, and philosophy. If we may believe those who at the present time, profess to belong to it, the philosopher's stone, the elixir of life, the art of invisibility, and the power of communication directly with the ultramundane life, are parts of the inheritance they possess. The writer has met with only three persons who maintained the actual existence of this body of religious philosophers, and who hinted that they themselves were actually members. There was no reason to doubt the good faith of these individuals, apparently unknown to each other, and men of moderate competence, blameless lives, austere manners, and almost ascetic in their habits. They all appeared to be men of 40 to 45 years of age, and evidently of vast erudition, their knowledge of languages not to be doubted. They never remained long in any one country, but passed away without creating notice. Another of such sub-brotherhoods is the sect of the Pitris, in India. Known by name, now that Jakaliad has brought it into public notice, it yet is more arcane, perhaps, 
than the brotherhood that Mr. Mackenzie names the Hermetic Brothers. What Jacoliot learned of it was from fragmentary manuscripts delivered to him by Brahmins, who had their reasons for doing so, we must believe. The Agruchita Parikshai gives certain details about the association, as it was in the days of old, and, when explaining mystic rites and magical incantations, explains nothing at all, so that the mystic Lam, Rum, Sh-Rum, and Shorim Ramayana Manha, remain, for the mystified writer, as much a puzzle as ever. To do him justice though, he fully admits the fact, and does not enter upon useless speculations. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 17 Life itself, in its perfect dominion and manifestation throughout all systems of worlds, is the ever-giving, joyous activity of producing light that is radiated through love. Love is the powerhouse of the universe. It is the treasure house from which every perfect idea comes forth. Within that cosmic Christ love, the master love of cosmic Christ perfection, from your blessed I am presence, there abides every idea and every desire that can keep you happy. When you once understand that the eternal divine desires of the Master Christ love of the universe are those desires which produce only happiness and contentment, you will not waste your time on the ephemeral things of this world that are here one instant and gone the next, and leave in their train misery, to be experienced for centuries to come. God does not operate nor manifest the universe on any such plan as that. The great power of love, the great divine plan of love, the great divine desires of the ascended host whose love manifests systems of worlds that bring only joy to life, that is the divine design of all eternity, and it but takes your attention there and your call there and the return of your energy there, to make you become that presence of perfection. And then its full master Christ powers come into your outer use and your outer direction, and then the limitations of earth can no longer appear. They dare not approach, and they cannot longer touch you. Oh, I offer you freedom today that abides only in the light that cones forth from pouring forth the cosmic Christ love of your blessed I am presence, and from the great host of ascended masters, who have offered you their love, who have offered you their use of their ascended master consciousness, and have stood your guardians, and offer you their protection. Go no longer the way of the world. Come our way of perfection and let me prove to you what the happiness of our love can produce in your world, that all mankind together could never create. Let me show you the difference between the use of the great creative powers of the Master Christ Presence, the Beloved I Am, and the magnificent things that are created to glorify the source of perfection, and then look at mankind's creation and tell me, if you will, if there is any intelligence there in that way of life. Believe me, my loved ones, learn to create as we do. Learn to pour forth the flame of love that illumines the atmosphere wherever you abide. Then you become a son of its presence, and its very glory produces happiness to all who gaze upon it. Beloved Master Jesus the Christ Our way of life is wisdom indeed. There must come the manifestation produced by those who are yet unascended, but who, using this law and giving obedience to its mighty requirements, stand before the world the living proof of the truth of my words. 
Then you become those who bear witness to the great law I have taught, and the manifestations I produced will come again at your command. Oh, there was so much that was given in those early days to the disciples and those who followed me that the rest of the world could not have at that time. If you will give me your attention again, if you will call in my name, if you will give this obedience, and if you use your violet flame, we shall go along the pathway of life a credit to the source of all, the mighty I am presence, and the glorifying activities of your divine desires expressed in the physical world will bring you the happiness, the contentment, and the master Christ powers by which you may design what you will, and leave it an eternal blessing to the world to lead others on. Until they too, use the master Christ powers of life to do that which life intends in compelling perfection everywhere, that brings happiness supreme to all. Waste no time on the discordant conditions of the outer world. Use every moment, every ounce of your energy, to call forth the master Christ love of creation that illumines mankind, forces them to see the light that love alone can manifest, until it reveals to them the power that is their master forever. Certain discordant conditions of the outer world must be removed. Their filth must be consumed, but the power that does the consuming is the master Christ presence of the great violet consuming flame, the blessing of eternal love and mercy and forgiveness, to the earth. Command your attention to come into our octave, and you demand the illumination that teaches you what we know this great cosmic master Christ love of the universe can do for you. You demand, and we will fulfill your call. If you will do this, it will keep you cut free from the conditions that are drawing the mass of mankind into such suffering and limitation. Then you, as the eternal rock of power supreme from that Master Christ Presence, your blessed I am Presence, you stand the strength of eternity. You blaze the light of God that never fails. You are the being of cause alone, and that cause the love from the heart of the central sun that produces all manifestation that is to be made eternal all manifestation that carries happiness and blessing to the whole universe forever. Therefore, if it is the power of love which is to redeem the earth, then that love must come and produce light in the physical octave. This light must come into the brain structure of mankind if they are to have consciousness that produces perfection. Mankind has used the faculties of their intellects to produce the conditions of chaos and destruction in the world today. I say to you, call forth the Master Christ mind of the victorious mighty I am presence into yourselves and into conditions to be the intelligence and the power and the love of the sacred fire that corrects the mistakes of the past and brings about the adjustment that can provide the conditions where peace may once again become the law of your land and the law of the earth. Beloved Master Jesus the Christ.